Uh, we're back, and we're going to be talking today about broth in general, but bone broth more specifically. Uh, you like chicken soup. Oh, yeah. And Who does you like broth. Broth is fine. I, it, love, I love broth. It's tasty. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first started getting really, really interested in broth, I read a, a, a cookbook, and it was the title of uh, a cookbook on foods of old Virginia. And it had recipes in there back from the 1700s. And one of them, in particular, was recommendations on types of broth to use for sick people. Hmm. That you was really sick and you fed them little pieces of broth by the tablespoon. Sure. And one method they used back then is they would take these thick ceramic crocks, fill it full of chopped beef, hmm. and then they would put a lid on it. If you've ever seen a old ceramic one. You know, it has a ceramic oh, yeah. lid. I think we have one right there in the store. Yes, we do have one in our collection. <laughs> well, they would then put that in a cauldron of boiling water with a brick on top. Mm. And they would cook it for hours in this boiling water. So water would not come in contact with the inner contents of the meat, mm. but it would just cook it and cook it and cook it. And then when you took it out, all the broth from the meat would be used to be served mm-hmm. by the tablespoon to somebody who was really sick. So it was like more concentrated. Yes. Ah. And then they would not throw away the beef after they squeezed all the good juice out of it. They would actually use a mortar and pestle mm. and break it down, add water, and then cook it and use it again. Would, it, would that be more like a gravy? It would be more like a, a something like that. Something like that. But okay. it would be a little bit more hearty than the broth for somebody who was really sick. Sure. And so back then, broth, whether it be chicken broth, beef broth, or what broth, was used for people who didn't have a good immune system, for example. They were really sick, and you wanted to feed them something because they couldn't hold things on their stomach. Mm -hmm. So broth has been around forever. Now, when I mention the word bone broth, for example, Mm -hmm. there has been some comments that it's sort of faddish for people to get involved in using bone broth. But I will tell you that broth in general, but bone broth specifically, has been used by people for centuries. Hmm. It's nothing that's faddish any way, shape, or form. So we're going to be talking about how to put together a concept of a really good bone broth that uh, will sort of stand the test of time. But even though that you have certain rules that you use and certain ingredients that you use, there are no real rules mm-hmm. except you do it, you mix and match it until you get something that you like. But So let's start with some basics. If you've okay. got a good butcher shop, like we have Keller's here in Albuquerque, yep. mm-hmm. and you can buy a variety of different bones. You could buy marrow bones, mm-hmm. beef bones, oxtail, or anything else, and then have their butcher saw them up in little one, two, or three-inch pieces. Sure. Okay. So you want at least three or four pounds. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a very large Cousinart cooker, Mm -hmm. and that will go anywhere from boil all the way down to a light simmer, but it's big. So if you take your bones that you purchase, regardless of what amount it is, and you put them in the oven at around 350, and you want to brown them really nice, now, you will get a little fat off during the cooking process. Mm. But the meat, it's okay to cook it a little bit, but you want the bones to be slumwhat browned, mm. which then enhances the flavor. 
Okay. Then you take all of those bones and put them in your cooker. Again, whatever it is, it is. And how long does it usually have to cook for? Oh, is it different? Well, that's a long time. Oh, boy. Now, once we've done that, mm-hmm. then we add equal parts. I do at the beginning. Some people wait until way later to add these. But I add equal parts of celery, chopped celery and onions and carrots for flavor. Mm-hmm. I'll throw in peppercorns, a little salt if you want to. Sometimes if you've got some old tomatoes, throw that in. In other words, anything that you've got left over as far as veggies, you can throw in at this particular time. It'll just cook you can put down in thyme, you can put in a bay leaf, you can put anything mm-hmm. you want, whatever flavored herbs that you want at this particular time. Okay. Onions, garlic, celery, carrot. That almost forms the basis because you want all those extra flavors to be cooked out of the ingredient into the broth. Now, for this broth, is this more for immune system? Or is this everything. For everything. Whoa. In other words, if you have an osteoporosis issue mm-hmm. and you want to mineralize your tissues, that's good. Oh. And you're dealing with a glycine compound that's mm-hmm. very rich in bone broth. And glycine plus proline does really good things to your bone metabolism, hair, skin, and nails, and everything. Oh, okay. Glycine is like in jello, for example. So glycine has a multiple metabolic effect, as does proline, for example, but you get all of your trace elements. Now, most of the minerals that you find in bone are Mm carbonate-based, so you need an acid to take care of that. Now, you can use a couple tablespoons of tomato paste, for example, leftover tomatoes that have seen better days. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, You can add one or two tablespoons per pound of bone, of apple cider vinegar. It can be mm. Bragg's oh, yeah. unfiltered, regular vinegar, or mm-hmm. any other type. But Bragg's unfiltered vinegar is good vinegar. Oh, yeah. I've used that. One or two tablespoons per pound of bones, give or take. So it's not going to taste vinegary because it's going to have a type of effect that's going to uh, basically help to leach out all the minerals out of the bone by providing an acid environment that ordinarily would not be broken out in an alkaline environment. Mm -hmm. It's like when you take a uh, half pint of uh, uh, jar, put an egg in it, shell Mm -hmm. and all, and you add vinegar, what's going to happen after a few days? You're going to pull out a sack with Mm -hmm. all the dissolved minerals with a lot of yucky stuff on the bottom. Now, does that pickle the vinegar? Is that what that is? Well, actually, what would you call that? No, it's just going to basically eat all the calcium out. You could ah, leave it in okay. there for days and it would turn hard. Oh, really? It will pickle the egg. Uh-huh. However, the egg shell materials will be leached out by action of the vinegar, hmm. and you just pull out an egg yolk with a sack. How cool is that? And then all that is a mineralized soft vinegar some people who like a little vinegar in their diet because they understand the value of it sure. will use soft vinegar then with oil mm. in order to make a really good dressing. Now, I like to heat it up because I don't like any materials being pulled out of an egg, for example, where you don't heat it up to a point where you can kill any salmonella or something like sure. that that's in an egg. It makes me a little nervous, so I would want to cook it. But the, the acid at one or two tablespoons plus the tomato will act to give you an acid pH, which over the long term will help you to leach the minerals out of the bone. Now, mm. the importance of having marrow bone, uh, beef bone, oxtail, chicken bones, or anything else you throw in there is that you're going to get all types of collagen by ge- getting a variety of bones. Oh, I see, yeah. Because each particular bone 
whether it's a flat bone mm -hmm. or whether it's a big marrow bone, has different collagen compounds, type 1, type 2, type 3, etc. You want those collagen factors in there. It's like the breast of a chicken will give you a different collagen than other parts of the chicken. So when you throw all those bones together, you want them to be brown for flavor. You want the garlic and onions and maybe some thyme, some bay leaf perhaps, the peppercorns, and whatever else herb that you want to throw in there for flavor. But it also has an antimicrobial influence during the cooking process. So you're going to bring this whole mixture of all this mess to a boil because you're going to be pouring in enough clean water to cover up the bones by a couple, two or three inches. And then you also want the variety for the different types of, of collagen. collagen. And okay. then you're going to bring it to a boil and then turn it down immediately. Oh, wow. Then during the first two or three hours, mm -hmm. you're going to be removing the scum. Oh, the, uh, all the, and that's the fat, right? That's just, and no, it's, just, it's impurities. It's okay. stuff that doesn't look good. But you, <laughs> well, the first two or three hours, every half hour or so, you're going to have to remove scum. Oh, boy. It's just there. Okay. So you want to get rid of it. And this is at a simmer. So for bone with the acid pH, you're going to be cooking it for anywhere from 24 to 48 hours. So if you're going to oh, do wow. it on Friday night, do your prep work, and then you're going to cook it as long as you possibly can, even up to 48 hours. Okay. And then you're going to strain everything off. Mm. And it, basically by straining, you're going to have a nice, clear broth. Now... Many people recommend, and I certainly suggest that, if you're going to use celery leaf, mm -hmm. if you're going to use parsley leaf, and other fresh herbs, put it in at the last hour of the cooking process. Oh, don't put it at the beginning. because Not at the beginning. You'll denature it or something. It'll denature it to the point where you, uh, it'll neutralize some of the flavors. Okay. But you do it at the end, not the beginning. I was wondering about that. So, and this goes where any herb that you want to, because there's no rules on herbs. It's sure. whatever you like that tastes good. Because the end result of this will be a very rich, highly flavored broth. And it depends on how much water and how much bone you use. Sure. You'll have anywhere from three to six quarts oh my. of liquid at the end of this thing. Some people like to use the fat. I don't. Sure. I want to harden it. <laughs> the gelatinous mixture will convert to a gel, which is a gelatin. Mm-hmm. You can shake it, move it like jello. Oh, my goodness. And then the fat will rise to the top, and I want to remove that. Any fat that I put back will either be avocado oil or maybe a little olive oil or something like that. Some good fats. To get a little bit of good fat back in there. Gotcha. Now, that's when you've got your basic broth, which you can freeze. Now, certainly, it'll last in the refrigerator for about four or five days. But if you're going to leave it in the refrigerator any longer, then you have to reboil it. Mm. And that's to make sure there's nothing growing in it. Sure. But mainly you're going to use what you're going to use over those five days, freeze the rest, of course, then bring mm -hmm. it out as you need it. The point being is that every mineral is it, that's in bone is going to be leached out to a great extent and provide extremely well-absorbed nutrient material. So you'll get like calcium. You'll get calcium, magnesium, magnesium phosphorus, phosphorus, et cetera, magnesium. Wow. Everything that's in a bone you're going to get That's wonderful. from a nutritional standpoint. Now, if you're going to cook up a batch of green beans, you can use the broth. You can use the broth for any purpose, oh, from yeah. soups, stews, cooking. Uh, there's no rules. Uh -huh. Use it for everything. So this is what the older generation did. Yeah. They used all the parts. They used heavy. They were heavily influenced by the broths. 
And as a result of that, they got all the good stuff. Now, if I was a PR guy and mm-hmm. wanted to do some propaganda, then I would simply say negative things about the old-fashioned way because that's a cheapy way to get a good broth. Sure. Because the most other soups are thickened with carrageenan, which is an extract mm-hmm. of seaweed, yep. artificial flavors, glutamate-based hydrolyzed protein molecules, which produce MSG. Mm-hmm. So you get artificial flavor. Mm-hmm. Now, the broth, like mushrooms gives you something the Japanese call umami, which is like the sixth sense. Yeah, the Umami is that wonderful flavor combination that you get from taste and smell that makes you just want to eat more of it. You almost get that home feeling too. Uh, yeah. What do they, yeah. What do it's you, very nostalgia, comfortable feeling. Nostalgia. Now, let's go back to what we threw in there. Okay. We could throw more stuff in there. You could get leftover potato peels. Mm-hmm. You could freeze and save celery tops. You can save and freeze anything that you wish that's edible. Sure. From carrot tops, even. <laughs> and then throw all that in there, too. So basically, you're utilizing to make this broth anything that ordinarily you would throw away or put down the garbage disposal or put in a hole in the backyard. Now, for the newer generation, if they didn't want to cook all this, they could just come in here and get a collagen neocell and a multivitamin, right? Well, this works good because I mentioned on the uh, one podcast, which was stage one on osteoporosis, mm-hmm. yeah. is that collagen is a key thing along sure. with good vitamin D levels and, of course, fortified calcium, the FortiCal formula. Yeah. As we can even talk about milk basic protein and whey, whey factors. We but, did that a little bit. But still, they kind of miss out on the, some of the nutrition value somewhat. You do right? lose, you lose out of some of the others. Yeah. But the key is, if you have a therapeutic purpose for hydrolyzed collagen, you use it. Mm-hmm. But for generalized cooking, to get all this benefit, yeah, you can use these old-fashioned, old-school techniques that goes back hundreds and hundreds of years, mm-hmm. even thousands, that have, has been culturally significant throughout generations. To where the purpose has almost been forgotten. Well, you don't even think about the purpose. You just use it because it tastes good. Well, sure. And nobody really thought about using it for osteoporosis because they probably didn't even identify what that condition is or was. <laughs> so, the, but the point is there is no rules that you can't make yourself. Mm-hmm. I've had a number of people that will use chicken backs, necks, and wings. They'll use turkey necks, which is rich in collagen. They will use anything that is maybe not something I would want to eat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to eat oxtail. No, yeah. But I don't know chopping I it up have. in one-inch pieces, we had oxtail to use as oxtail soup when I was growing up. Oh, okay. Because that was just part of the animal. You didn't throw it away. You actually used, used it. Used everything, yeah. So she would use anything and everything that there was, up, including rendering lard and then having cracklings, which is now we know as pigskins. <laughs> you could buy a sack in a grocery store. Oh, yeah. well, we had all that back then, but mm-hmm. it was all homemade. Mm-hmm. But the brothy type things that uh, a lot of the leftovers went in the stew pot. Oh, okay. And this was leftover bones and things like that. Now, back in 1960, probably 1960, 61, a family that I had an association with here in Albuquerque took me to one of the reservations because they had a great relationship with one of the families there. So they were invited to go out to the reservation. And one of the things they served was, of course, fry bread and fry bread. But they had this giant stew pot Mm -hmm. that they used baby lamb and had cooked it. Oh, no way. 
So the soup contained the meat and some bone and vertebra and all kind of stuff in that soup bone. And it was delicious. Oh, wow. I didn't particularly like the stuff in it. Sure. But I ate it and was very gracious about it because you that's what you did. Oh, yeah. And I remember growing up that we had a family in the neighborhood that were was from Kentucky. And uh, one of their favorite treats that they got really excited about was chicken and dumplings. Oh, yeah. I now, remember growing up with that. My mm-hmm. grandmother fixed chicken and dumplings totally different than their chicken and dumplings. Okay. Their chicken and dumplings were chickens mm-hmm. in the pot, boil for hours, the fat not removed, sure. and then the dumplings were cooked, which was doughy things. Yeah. And they would serve it because everything had fallen apart. So you'd get a big bowl of this stuff with stuff that I really didn't care about eating. But it <laughs> did taste really, really good. Yeah, yeah. But visually, it bothered me. Yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, the first time looking at that bowl. It it's bothered kind of gross. me. No, but I know. my grandmother didn't quite <laughs> cook her chicken dumplings that way. Okay. It was much, much nicer, more in a casserole more, type More uh, pleasant of as far as the presentation. The presentation. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But I'll tell you, the stuff was really, really good. Mm-hmm. But that's what they used back then. So you would want to not only take your minerals for your bone, your vitamin D, to make sure that you hit that magic level, maybe 60 or 70 range, you want to make sure you've got your hydrolyzed collagen in. You can make your own jello using plain gelatin plus canoods and juices to make jello for more collagen. But it doesn't hurt once or twice here and then to make a big batch of old fashioned bone broth. And if you're going to start the cooking process on a Friday evening to get everything mm-hmm. ready, then you're going to be, by Monday, it's going to be completely, totally, 100% ready. And you can always add a little water to it as you go along, adjust the flavoring with herbs and spices until it's perfect for your taste buds, and then strain all that off and freeze it. And then you have broth to make soups, stews, cook your green beans in, which makes it delicious, by the way. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be nutrient-dense in your food choices by loading yourself with all forms of collagen and, of course, proline, glycine, the amino acid structure. Those are only two. There's others. And all the nutrients that you would rip out of the tissues by cooking it in an acid pH. And now the sodium level on this is going to be lower than what you would get in a grocery store. Oh, absolutely. Unless you add salt, there is none of any significance. Because that's that's the main issue. Uh, I know I notice when I look at even the low sodium what they say is low sodium broth, it's still pretty high. Well, one of the most irritating factors was that for years and years and years, I didn't eat salt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hated the taste of salt <laughs> until I found out that I actually had a sodium chloride deficiency and the blood <laughs> test showed up. And unless I eat a specific amount of, right now I use Himalayan pink mm-hmm. salt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I use lots of it because it doesn't taste salty to me, mm. but it does impart a very good flavor. So I like the heavy rock mined salt, not the refined salt, because mm. I still don't like the taste of it. <laughs> but I have to use it on my food more liberally because I do have a sodium deficiency, okay. probably from all those years of not doing it. Not doing it, making your own broth. Yeah, but my blood <laughs> test shows up low, but I can correct sure. it in two days with well, just good. more salt. Yeah. Yeah. It's so simple. Well, and it's necessary for life to have some salt. Yes, but I went a little bit too far. Uh, yeah. And 
that was not exactly a smart thing. That moderation so, thing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so you get the point that you can be your own rules mm-hmm. because if you cook them in the oven, you brown the bone, then add all those other ingredients that I mentioned and cook it over the long term, you can imagine that all the vinegar reacting that is gone. It's gone. Mm-hmm. You have a new chemicals. You have mineral acetates because the acetic acid in the vinegar is going to react with the minerals causing the carbonates to be reformed into acetates, which are very, very, very good and very easy to absorb in the human body. Oh, wow. So if you want collagen in your tissues, do a little research. Do a little due diligence. Find out what collagen does to the human body. Now, a lot of the collagen disorders that we have Mm -hmm. in many cases, is blamed on vitamin C deficiency because vitamin C is necessary for collagen synthesis. Mm-hmm. But really, However, it's collagen vinegar. is the main ingredient. <laughs> vitamin C is really an accessory nutrient oh, yeah. to facilitate the collagen being utilized. So C is important, but it's not the thing. It's the collagen, which is the raw material. And the raw material is good quality food, which generations of people have been enjoying Forever and ever. <laughs> so just a thought. Sure. So uh, we want to publish that one to give people an idea to where there's no rules. You make your own rules and you try this for a while in, to complement any treatment for bone, connective tissue, or any other type of human condition where collagen is a factor. Consider what we just talked about today right. as a really good idea. For more information about products mentioned in today's podcast, just go to our website, rdownsnutritioncenter.com. And once again, thank you for listening to Wellness Radio 101.